MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, March 22nd, 2021. Today, the Department of Justice has charged four leaders of the Proud Boys with conspiracy in the Capitol insurrection investigation. Mike Flynn's associate, Bijan Kian, has had his conviction reinstated by the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. The Postal Service has found no male voter fraud in the 2020 election. Biden's Secretary of Education, Cordona, reverses Betsy DeVos's policy and forgives fraudulent student loans. Veselnitskaya's Trump Tower cover-up has been linked to a Russian chemical weapons program, and Florida Democrats call for an election redo after a former state senator tampered with a state Senate election. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, how was your weekend? It is, uh, it's been, it was good. I honestly, I spent a lot of the weekend watching um, everyone's, everyone's bracket for the men's basketball tournament get blown up. Yeah. I mean, Big Ten, no show. The 12, I mean, really showing up. It's been, I, I'm an underdog cheerer. So whenever I, cause I don't really have a, a, a horse in the game. So, um, or whatever dog in the fight. I don't know how you do that. A horse in the game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're playing horse games. <laughs> um, so I like when the underdog wins. Yeah. I'm from Cleveland. We also like when the underdog wins. So yeah, <laughs> uh, same these. And, yeah. uh, it's already March 22nd. March is going by at a medium pace. And I am very... Unbelievable. Very happy. That's the March madness to me is actually how quickly we're getting through March. I'm very pleased uh, about that. Uh, also, later in the show, I'm going to talk to Robert Denault. We're going to discuss Roger Stone's role in the in the insurrection and all the connections he has, especially to these four proud boys that were arrested or, well, that had superseding indictments dropped on them for conspiracy. Oopsie. Uh, yeah, oops. <laughs> Ow. And then, of course, on Tuesday and Thursday, usually every Tuesday and Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 Eastern, you can see me on the stereo app on Tuesdays with Andrew Torres and on Thursdays with uh, Dana. But Dana, you have a gig this Thursday. Tell us about that. I actually have a gig. It is um, for the uh, West Hollywood Women's uh, Association, I believe. And it's their 25th anniversary award ceremony. So it's virtual, obviously, because no one's going anywhere still. And I hope that is the case with everyone. Even if you've been vaccinated, you're being safe. Uh, But yeah, it feels really nice to actually uh, be hired for a job in 2021. So hopefully this is the beginning of many, but it has been a a tough go until then. So I will miss you on Thursday. Last Thursday was a mess. I got a message. Um, they sent you, can I send me a message? And it was basically like, your listeners like when you're in pain, because for some reason, you're much funnier. (laughs) That's not exactly what it was. But it was I feel so bad that Dana was hurting so much because I had had some back issues. But apparently, I made someone pee a little bit just uh, with our with our banter about Steve Bannon. Anyway, if uh, any other Thursday, people, make sure you listen in. Mm-hmm. AG and I are in rare form. We don't have to, I mean, even more rare form than we are in the beans. So make sure you check out our, our live stereos every Thursday at 5 p.m. Yeah, it's no holds barred time. And uh, you get, ex- it's it's exclusive content. It's an after party. It's an after after party. So it's, it's it a is lot indeed. of fun. Uh, all right, we do have a lot of news to get to, uh, as you heard at the top of the show. So let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, the lead story today has a lead and then a buried lead. It's from Reuters. A federal grand jury charged four leaders of the far-right Proud Boys with conspiring to block Congress from certifying U.S. President Joe Biden's election on the day of the deadly assault on the Capitol. That's according to court papers unsealed on Friday. The indictment alleges that Ethan Nordine of Washington, Joseph Biggs of Florida, Zachary Rail of Pennsylvania, and Charles Donahoe of North Carolina conspired to encourage members of the group to attend the Stop the Steal protest in D.C. on January 6th. All four defendants in the superseding indictment released on Friday are the leaders or organizers of Proud Boys chapters in their respective states. 
and that's according to the indictment. It says they worked to obtain paramilitary equipment used for the attack on the Capitol, dismantled metal barriers set up to protect the building, and communicated using handheld radios and encrypted messaging applications. Uh, Now, it also says the effort included soliciting donations through an online crowdfunding campaign to help the Proud Boys pay for their protective gear and an online fundraiser that generated more than $5,500 to help cover travel expenses to Washington. So they tried to overturn the government on your dime. The indictment also alleges that they made their intentions clear as far back as November, with Biggs declaring in a social media post November 5th threatening war if the election was stolen from Trump. Who lost? (laughs) I just like the way they put that. Yeah. (laughs) Later that month on November 27th, Nordine declared, I'm having turkey for Thanksgiving. No, he said, we tried playing nice and by the rules. Now you will deal with the monster you created. Cool. Thanks, Nordine. And on January 5th, the day before the insurrection, a new encrypted messaging channel called Boots on the Ground was created. And more than 60 users participated in that group, including the four defendants and a fifth unindicted co-conspirator that's the buried lead there's an unindicted co-conspirator here a uicc and they go by uicc1 in this filing this charging document um it says later that day the unnamed co-conspirator sent a message telling everyone that nordine who also goes by the name rufio panman would be uh, the leader in the effort that day because you know enrico tario is the you know, I guess, de facto leader of the Proud Boys, mm-hmm. but not that day. Uh, but he he sent out a message. Rufio is in charge. Cops are the primary threat. Don't get caught by them or Black Lives Matter. Now, I have there, there's reasons that Tario uh, is not named in this indictment. And some, many think he's the unindicted co-conspirator. I don't think so. I'm going to go over that with uh, with Robert Denault a little bit later in the show. But I have some ideas about who the unindicted co-conspirator could be. And so stick around for that. It's a very interesting conversation. He's been really, really digging into this story specifically. Awesome. So he's got a lot of information for us. And a former Green Beret wearing a tactical vest struck an officer in the face with a flagpole he was wielding like a spear during the insurrection. That's according to new court filings um, from the government and from the FBI. His name is Jeffrey McKellop. He was arrested on Wednesday and accused of shoving, pushing, or violently striking several officers. It's the first known Capitol rioter to have served in the elite special operations division of the military. During the January 6th riot, he carried a flagpole with at least two types of flags. He had a thin blue line flag and a 13-star Betsy Ross flag with the words Trump, keep America great, printed on it. So, yeah, not defacing the flag at all. Yeah, nothing says blue lives matter than pelting them in the face with a flagpole. Yes, yeah. Fucking jackasses. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say whether he used the flagpole uh, the, that he was carrying the thin blue line flag on to spear officers in the face, but he was carrying a thin blue line flag. Yes, indeed. Um, this next this next story, I think we all remember about that uh, postal worker that cried wolf during the election. Well, some shit's gone down. So the postal <laughs> service investigators found there was no evidence to support that Pennsylvania postal wor- worker's claim that his supervisors had tampered with mail-in ballots. And that's according to an inspector general's report. Allegations cited by top Republicans to press baseless claims of fraud in the presidential election. So Richard Hopkins, a mail carrier in Erie, um, the, the said the said person I, I speak of, uh, alleged in November alleged alleged in November that he overheard the local postmaster discussing plans to backdate ballots received after the November third vote and pass them off to the election officials as legitimate. Uh, working with Project Veritas, a nonprofit entity that seeks to expose what it says is bias in the mainstream news media, Hopkins publicly released a sworn affidavit recounting those allegations. Now, Senator Lindsey, I'm trying real hard just to to call him by his name. Senator Lindsey Graham cited Hopkins' claim in a letter to the Justice Department in November, calling for a federal investigation into election results in Pennsylvania, where Biden beat the former guy by more than 81,000 votes and Democratic candidates outperformed GOP challengers in votes submitted by mail. So Graham and many other congressional Republicans refused to accept the outcome of the election for weeks, as we know. And this is even after the states audited and certified their results. Now, the Attorney General uh, Barr at the time subsequently authorized federal prosecutors to open investigations into credible allegations 
of voter irregularities and fraud before results were certified and a reversal of longstanding Justice Department policy. But Hopkins soon recanted. So this is what the cry wolf part was, because when shit started going down and he was like, oh, my God. I'm in trouble. Um, Officials from the Postal Service's Office of Inspector General told members of Congress on November 10th. And the new investigation also confirmed that. In an interview with federal agents, Hopkins, quote, revised... His initial claims. Nice interesting. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) eventually stating that he had not heard a conversation about ballots at all. So he didn't revise. He said I lied earlier. None of what I said actually happened. Yeah, and I'm wondering what sort of legal penalties there are for filling out a sworn affidavit that is a lie. Uh maybe we will see. I sure hope we do. Yeah, I would like for the I, I, I would hope that the Postal Service Inspector General made a criminal referral to the Department of Justice uh, about that, but we will keep on top of that story for you. And uh, here's a flashback to the Mueller She Wrote days. An ex-business partner of former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn got a rude awakening Thursday as the Fourth Circuit reinstated his conviction for acting as an unregistered foreign agent for the Turkish government. This is a case that spun off from Mueller's investigation of Russian election interference. A federal grand jury in Alexandria, Virginia, had returned the verdict against Bijan Kian related to his work as vice chair of the Flynn Intel Group. Co-founded and named after the U.S. military general who served briefly and infamously as the former guy's administration, the now-dissolved Flynn Intel Group earned $600,000 from a secret 2016 lobbying campaign aimed at discrediting Fatula Gulen. And if you remember, Gulen was the guy that Erdogan blamed for a failed coup against him. He was trying to get him extradited back to Turkey, and they, they, they offered $15 million to Flynn to, to kidnap him and whisk him away in the night on a plane back to Turkey. Keon's jury convicted him of covering up that payment after less than six hours of deliberations in 2019. Months later, U.S. District Judge Anthony Trenga vacated the verdict on the basis of insufficient evidence. He said, quote, there's no substantial evidence that Rafikian, that's Bijan Keon, agreed to operate uh, subject to the direction or control of the Turkish government. And he wrote that. He's an appointee of G.W. Bush. But on Thursday, a three-judge panel of the Fourth Circuit unanimously reversed his order. And they say, in quote, we're convinced that the jury heard sufficient evidence that Rafikian acted as an agent of a foreign government. That's a, a decision by U.S. James U.S. Judge James Wynn. He wrote for the majority, referring to Keon by his alternate name. Quote, under our deferential standard of review, we must uphold the jury's verdict. If any tier of fact could have found that the evidence, either direct, circumstantial, or a combination of both, along with any reasonable inference, established the essential elements of the crime beyond a reasonable doubt. Which it did. He fucking did it. (laughs) Which is really sort of funny because I would think, and maybe I'm wrong, had he gotten convicted, Donald might have actually pardoned him. But the fact that he didn't, and now it's being overturned, Mm -hmm. he sort of missed that boat, which is really interesting. Right, because he pardoned Flynn, but he didn't pardon Bijan Kian. And we we made a note of that, too, when all the pardons came down. I was like, huh, they didn't do Bijan Kian. And his case is up for appeal in the Fourth Circuit. Whoopsie. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oopsie daisy. Uh, Now, Flynn can't be charged for any of these because all of the... The Turkish kidnapping Gulen plot, the whole Farah thing that he that he didn't get charged with before in exchange for his cooperation, came out of the Mueller investigation. His pardon specifically says nothing that came out of the investigation can be charged. There you have it. So hopefully this guy goes down for this because I would love to see him. Uh, what I'd also love to see is the uh, fl- state of Florida getting their shit together with elections. So this next story, the Florida Democrats, which I'm very glad to hear, are demanding a special election take place for a state Senate seat after a Republican was accused of tampering with last year's contest that could have thrown the race to the GOP. So Democrats are calling on state Senator Yana Garcia to resign and for officials to set up a special election after former Republican state Senator Frank Artiles uh, was arrested on Thursday for allegedly planting a shadow candidate to defeat Democratic incumbent Jose Javier Rodriguez in state Senate District 37. So this is really interesting. The statements come a day after Miami-Dade State Attorney Catherine Fernandez-Rundle rolled out the charges against Artiles, who resigned from the Florida State Senate in 2017 after using a racial slur. What the fuck is wrong with people, by the way? In a conversation with Black colleagues. Artiles um, allegedly paid Alex Rodriguez 
$44,000 to run in the election, which also featured the incumbent state senator and Garcia. Now, investigators alleged, this is really interesting, that Artilius put Alex Rodriguez in the race in hopes that the voters would be confused by his identical last name with Jose Javier Rodriguez, and he would siphon votes away from the Democratic candidate. Mm-hmm. And they not only did that, they not only did that, they sent out thousands and thousands of mailers for this sham candidate saying that they were with left-leaning stuff, health care, right. and, you know, we want to raise the minimum wage and blah, blah, blah. And they, they ran as non, no party affiliation. But, I mean, it, it's obviously a sham candidate. Now, it's important to note that it is not illegal to run a sham candidate. It is illegal to pay them $44,000. That's more than the <laughs> maximum campaign donation allowed. That's where the this illegality comes into play, which makes me wonder if they'll be able to get a redo election because you're allowed to run a sham candidate. The only thing that wasn't allowed here was the payment. We'll see how it shakes out, but I'm glad they're calling for a redo. I really am. Agreed, because I think we could argue that most political candidates are sham candidates. So that's all legal, fair and good. hey And before we talk to Robert Denault about Roger Stone, Veselnitskaya is back in the news. We have another blast from the Mueller she wrote past. A company newly sanctioned by the U.S. over Navalny's poisoning attack is tied to the money laundering network that Veselnitskaya tried to cover up at the infamous 2016 Trump Tower meeting. That's according to financial records obtained by the Daily Beast. Go Daily Beast. Now, we know why Vladimir Putin was so desperate to play down the international corruption probes that began when Magnitsky uncovered that $230 million fraud on the Russian people. If you want a big explanation of that, I think episode two uh, of Mueller, she wrote, is, is about the Magnitsky Act. And for the first time, that dark money network can be linked to the murderous chemical weapons program run by Russia's notorious intelligence services. The man given the task of shutting down the Magnitsky-inspired investigations that were booming all over the world was Yuri Chaika, one of Putin's top fixers and Russia's prosecutor general up until last year. Obama signed the Anti-Corruption Magnitsky Act into law in 2012, and Chaika's protege, Veselnitskaya, was sent to make the case against the law at the notorious Trump Tower meeting with Junior, Kushner, and the former guy's former campaign guy, <laughs> Paul Manafort. Oh my God. So Veselnitskaya is back in the news, all tied together there. Very interesting. I mean, we knew that Veselnitskaya's main job was, you know, to to try to kill the Magnitsky Act. Uh, and and yeah. she was trying to get Trump to do that. And she was offering some dirt on Hillary Clinton, apparently some sort of Zoff brothers uh, money laundering scheme in Russia that they Good she Lord. didn't have any proof of. And so Junior and Manafort were like, this is a waste of my time and then left. Um, so apparently that's what went on there. Now we will be right back. I want to go back to stone. Now this is all like, I feel like we should be playing the Mueller. She wrote theme song. We're going to go back to Roger stone. We're going to talk about him with Robert Denault of the Trump administration accountability project to discuss his role, Roger stone's role in the insurrection and how he's connected to all four of the proud boy leaders that were indicted for conspiracy, how he may be the unindicted co-conspirator, but may have insulated himself with someone else. We have some names for you. We're going to put some beans on things. Uh, so stick around. We'll be right back after this break. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Daily Beans, and today's episode of The Pod is brought to you by American Giant. American Giant is my new favorite clothing company because they believe in quality over quantity, and they make beautiful clothes right here in the United States that are designed to last. Your clothes should be wearable for years, so you don't have to buy more than you need. Did you know 60% of the clothes we buy end up in landfills within a year because they're made of you know by big apparel companies that are constantly finding ways to cut corners and make things as quickly as possible. Mega corporations churn out cheap clothes and prioritize profits, leaving workers behind hollowing out communities and filling junkyards. If we had clothing that we would wear just 50 more times, we would reduce our CO2 emissions by 400%. American Giant makes clothing that's durable and built to last, not poorly made and disposable. I recently got their women's blizzard full zip with weatherproof nylon shell for warmth, and it's perfect for this chilly weather. It's warm and snuggly. It's just such high quality. It's my new winter favorite, and it feels good to be supporting local communities and workers and buying amazing high-quality clothes made here in the United States. Back in 1960, 95% of our clothing was made here in the USA, and today it's just 3%. Choosing American Giant means supporting a supply chain that's 100% based in the USA and taking a stand for conscious consumerism, hardworking people, local communities, and quality clothes made to last. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. That's 15% off by using code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. 
Hey, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today from the Trump Administration Accountability Project is law student and journalist Robert Denault. Robert, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be back. Yeah, I'm glad we got to, uh, we were sending messages back and forth this weekend after I penned a tweet or a thread, I should say, on Twitter about the story that dropped, uh, you know, regarding the four leaders of the Proud Boys being charged with conspiracy. And I am mostly interested in this buried lead, this fifth unindicted co-conspirator that's mentioned in the charging documents. Now, these are superseding indictments uh, against Charles Donahoe, Zach Rail, Ethan Nordine, and Joe Biggs, Joseph Biggs. And we had previously reported about Proud Boy leaders coordinating fundraising events and meeting at rally points ahead of the attack on the Capitol. And I was certain they'd be charged with conspiracy because, I mean, you know, they were have they had were you know these different rally points, and these are uh, they're you know these four leaders are from four different states. And you've been looking really closely at the connections between the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and Roger Stone. And now I posited that Stone could be the unindicted co-conspirator here, but you know we had talked a little bit about that might not be what's going on here because he kind of wants to provide some sort of a layer of insulation, but it could be others. Tell us what you found in your, in your journalism review of this whole entire scenario of, of Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah. It's like the worst web of criminal indictments uh, that you could ever imagine. So he seems really good. And I think we saw this in the Mueller investigation at keeping layers between himself and actual conduct in in the Mueller probe it was having somebody like jerome corsi and uh randy credico sort of be the intermediaries for the intermediaries and then you can disclaim knowledge or confuse investigators after the fact he you know does this in pretty much everything he does but what's really interesting to me is that there's a few of his associates who uh, cnn did some recently great reporting about um that were investigated in in the summer of 2019 when he posted that Instagram photo targeting uh, uh, the judge in his case. And there was some mm-hmm. scrutiny about whether or not he should be, you know, either remanded to jail. And I think ultimately she didn't do that, but she, she put a gag order on him. But CNN reviewed some of the transcripts of his testimony to the judge about who exactly posted that. And some names emerged about close associates of his who have access to his social media accounts. Um, one was Enrique Tario, the leader of the Proud Boys, but the other two are unindicted individuals. Um, one is Jacob Engels. He is a far-right blogger who's done some podcasts with the Proud Boys down in Florida. Um, he's a close Stone associate. The Daily Beast did a pretty good write-up of him a couple years ago as Roger Stone's mini-me. Um, and uh, he has a close associate named Tyler Zielkowski, who was another person mentioned as having access to Stone's social media account. CNN talked to uh, Tyler Zielkowski, it seems like, um, and he said that he was not in the Capitol during the day of the insurrection, but that Jacob Engels was. And Engels, of course, you know, in front of this judge, Stone says he has access to his social media and his, his phone accounts. Um, so I find it kind of interesting that Zielkowski was willing to talk to CNN. He also said that they were called before a grand jury in 2019 to talk about whether Roger Stone had ever paid them, which I think is also interesting because that's different than just the judge trying to maybe pry into exactly who posted the photo you know, prosecutors were already looking into whether there was some sort of enterprise going on between Stone and and these fellows who have their own ties. And Zielkowski, by the way, is the Florida leader of the Proud Boys. Mm, Right. And and I think it's really interesting that you bring up sort of past Stone behavior, because, you know, we, as you said, we know in the Mueller investigation, he had people communicating with WikiLeaks for him, and then he communicated directly with Donald. Uh, we know that from that Rick Gates uh, testimony phone call in, you know, on the way to LaGuardia Airport. Uh, the thing that Trump just flat out lied about in his answers to Mueller, uh, and still uh, I'm baffled as to why he wasn't called in or subpoenaed or f- had any follow up questions, but I know that they were just trying to do their best not to be fired at that point. Uh, and now I wanted to talk, you brought up Tario. And a lot of folks, when I said um, who I think this unindicted co-conspirator is, it's that it's somebody above or closer to 
the, you know, the pinnacle, the leaders that had, you know, Roger Stone or Roger Stone himself. A lot of people pushed back and said that they thought it was Enrico Tario. Problem with that is that according to these charging papers, there were other discussions, uh, other encrypted messaging group messenger groups you know channels they caught they said that included tario and then when tario was arrested in the you know the days leading up to the insurrection uh, they they deleted all those groups uh, they were seemingly spooked by the fact that that tario was arrested and then we had all these stories coming out that, that tario is a criminal informant and uh you know if he if that if he was an informant in this case he would be referred to as ci not uicc1 or unindicted co-conspirator one. And why would they delete all those after his arrest and then bring him on into this new quote unquote, it's called boots on the ground chat room uh, when they were spooked by his arrest. It just, it just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. There's, there's some logical gaps in Tario being responsible for setting up the new chat when the entire purpose of it was that investigators had gotten access to his communications after he was arrested. So why would you want him running the chat after you know that there's probably some insight into exactly who he's communicating with and how? And so I don't really think it makes a lot of sense for Tario to be the person involved. I I also like, I thought it was an interesting development that he was arrested two days before the event. And the news that emerged afterward about him being an informant uh, in other scenarios, it doesn't sound like any of those things involved what's happening currently, but he certainly is in a pretty unique position as someone who's cooperated in other cases and yet seems to have his fingerprints all over some very questionable events. So, um, yeah, I don't think he would be the unindicted co-conspirator it's just based on the facts put in the charging i I just don't think it really makes a lot of sense right no and and i also have to assume that investigators have those deleted conversations Uh, i don't know why criminals keep using encrypted messaging apps because every single indictment i read in a court charging document has stuff from whatsapp and signal and everything in there uh maybe they should go back to morse code or something (laughs) but uh, but, uh, you know, I thought it was uh, very interesting because, as you said, the timeline here is Tario is arrested on the 4th. They delete all their conversations, create this new group, Boots on the Ground, on the 5th. Then, of course, we have that mystery meeting at Trump International right. D.C. Hotel right. uh, that included a lot of these insurrection leaders. Uh, and then, of course, all the stories emerging about $3.5 million coming from Trump campaign uh, areas into funneling into the Stop the Steal rallies to to support them. But there's also just a, just so much history with these four individuals that have been now indicted, you know, superseding indictments for conspiracy and Roger Stone. Biggs, Joe Biggs and Roger Stone did a fundraiser at the Trump D.C. International Hotel in July of 2019. Uh, they spoke together, Nordine, who, and you know, in this new group that they created after Tario was arrested, somebody said, Nordine is in charge now. Rufio is his right. uh, alias no, is in charge yeah. now. Look out. Cops are going to be the problem. Watch out for Black Lives Matter. And and so, you know, it just sort of that I think that the timeline is very interesting. And then all of these associations, we have this video of, of Nordine and, and Stone speaking at the December 12th Stop the Steal rally, Million MAGA March, whatever. And so he's it's just I he can't not be a part of this. But talk about who I mean, who if 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 Stone has a habit of insulating himself from this, who do you think it could be? Engels or Zyalkowski that might have been in charge of this second group since they kind of run his social media anyway? It's hard to say. I mean, I don't want to like level any charges at, at either one, you know, based on speculation. It's it was interesting to me that Zyalkowski was willing to say that he thought Engels was with Stone that day because you're really throwing him under the bus. There's no photos of Engels with Stone that day. So nobody's reported that. So I, I don't know exactly what he stood to gain by saying, you know, I stayed in Florida. I'm not sure what happened up there, but Engels was with him. Um, it, it just almost seemed like he was distancing himself and sort of presenting Engels as somebody who was acting on Stone's behalf up there. But, I, you know, Engels has always been really careful not to be calling himself a, members of, a member of Proud Boys, but he spends a ton of time with them. 
And, you know, Florida journalists have sort of caught on to the fact that he says he's a journalist embedded with the Proud Boys, but doesn't identify with them and yet appears on all their stuff, goes with them to rallies. I mean, it's it's, I guess, plausible deniability, but I'm not sure how plausible it is at this point. So he's in a unique position. And that's a person to me, if he was with Stone in D.C. that day, uh, you know, he seems to have a lot of insight and access to Stone's communications and that's somebody i would be really interested to know where they were on january 6th yes true and uh i i would assume the fbi probably already knows that uh but you know we'll see this is going to take a while to unfold these 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 conspiracy charges take longer um than the initial charges that that all four of these leaders were picked up on by the way already right um and some some made bail and now they i don't you know they have to be arraigned again for these superseding indictments uh but we, you know we'll see if anybody's willing to cooperate or anything i have some questions about any peripheral conversations that might have taken place but i have to take a quick break will you stay with yeah, me absolutely great everybody we'll be right back Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of the podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. There are so many fun things I would do if I had extra time and money. One of those things would not be going to the post office. Uh, If you want to save some bucks and save some time, I recommend checking out Stamps.com. Mailing and shipping online at Stamps.com is a breeze. Stamps.com allows you to mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your home, in your jammies, on your computer. You can send letters, ship packages, and you pay a lot less with discounted rates from the Postal Service, UPS, and more. Stamps.com has saved businesses thousands of hours and tons of money, and with Stamps.com, you get the services of the post office and UPS all in one place. Plus, big discounts on mailing and shipping rates. I love this service. Using Stamps.com has been very smooth and efficient for us. Stamps.com is a must-have for any business, whether you're a small office sending out invoices, an online seller shipping out orders, or even a giant warehouse sending out thousands of packages a day. Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7, anytime, for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. And once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that easy. With Stamps.com, you get discounts of up to 40% off post office rates and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. Stop wasting time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There's no risk. And with our promo code DAILYBEANS, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage, and they'll send you a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts required. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in DAILYBEANS, all one word. That's Stamps.com and promo code DAILYBEANS. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking to Robert Denault. And uh, you have been working more diligently on this Roger Stone Proud Boys uh, connection than than anyone I've seen on Twitter. Uh, I'm armchairing. I'm armchair quarterbacking it at this point. Um, But I wanted to talk to you about, you you know, they had the conversations that were deleted because they mentioned them. In in the right. <laughs> in the in the charging yeah. papers, they have those. They have the boots on the ground conversations. Now, suppose whoever you know, let's assume that it's not Roger Stone, who's this unindicted co-conspirator. He put somebody else in charge of creating a new group to give you know barking orders to. Uh, those conversations have to exist somewhere, um, deleted or not. And I'm I, you know I'm just I'm wondering if. That's part of a broader investigation, or, or actually, I should say, a, a finer point investigation on Roger Stone himself, because the orders had to be given somehow if it's not Roger Stone himself. Right. And part of me does wonder, like, how much of the on-the-ground ordering would even come from Stone. I feel like general—I just I don't know, you know, in terms of what his communications with Proud Boys people, you know, were. He certainly has some in the last— four years. I mean, he's with them all the time. And the way that he presents this, I mean, it makes me laugh. He's like, I don't know who the Oath Keepers send to guard me. There's no, like, uh, office at the Oath Keepers building that decides, you know, on behalf of the <laughs> Oath Keepers who to send to, to be Roger Stone's guard. It's a very decentralized group. I think prosecutors have used the words, like, loosely organized, a, a lot of militia members. So there's no, you know, uh, chart of who's available on particular days. And his whole presentation of, I don't even know the names of these people, after he's seen at, you know, multiple rallies with the same people over and over, filming campaign videos for some of the Proud Boys people, it's it's kind of laughable so there are communications somewhere in there um and what they look like i don't know i don't know if his 
you know, was more directional or did he delegate that to people if, if he did delegate it at all? Um, or was he more of a political voice? Was he more suggesting, you know, different approaches of what, you know, chants and, you know, types of rallying cries you could use to get the, the crowd whipped up? Um, so I'm interested in, in finding more out about what his other communications look like. And I think it's very interesting. 2019 seems like a year that federal investigators were very interested in a lot of these connections. And it was sort of quiet. I don't think any of us really knew that they were digging into what was going on down in Florida with Stone and his associates. And I, I think it's something that hopefully we learn in due time, but it will be slow. Like you just said, it takes a long time to build these kinds of cases. You need really solid evidence tying somebody to, you know, an event, a criminal event that he wasn't at. Um, but I'm curious to see how much they've picked up on in the years they've been investigating this. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, going as far back as 2019 and then these two previous trial runs, I guess the million MAGA marches and the stop the steel rally, uh, leading up to uh, the January 6th uh, insurrection makes it seem next next to impossible in my mind that they're that they didn't have a heads up about this, which, again, you know, makes makes us question the law enforcement's response to the insurrection. Yeah, it is. It is I mean, I, Enrique Tarrio's arrest makes me question that they they've acknowledged in court documents that they had access to his devices. So they must have known there were conversations about blending in with the crowd about bringing certain types of weapons or leaving certain ones off the premises so that they didn't get stopped. It, it begs the question of why wasn't anything done? Um, I shouldn't say why wasn't anything done, but why wasn't more done to, to keep the capital safe? But, you know, I, I, since watching the events live on TV, January 6th, I, I keep thinking about like, Kent State and and Kent State becoming this moment where students were shot, you know, innocent students protesting the Vietnam War were, were shot. And I can understand the reticence to wanting anything playing out like that on the Capitol grounds and making a martyrdom out of what was going on, these marches that were designed to try to overthrow election results. And Part of me does empathize a little bit more with with the people in charge of making these law enforcement decisions that day because they, they you know, what are you going to do? Shoot everybody? I mean, there was a great, no. right. There was a great daily podcast about it and I, I thought it was informative. So, you know, I don't know. They had Enrique Tarrio's phone. I don't know why they didn't do more with it, but maybe there's some answers in there. Yeah, I, I, there, there's got to be some somewhere in between not doing anything right. and and shooting everybody i mean you know if you when we list when we heard from uh, william walker uh, uh commander of the dc national guard dur- during his testimony uh say that hey yeah it's six persons that i have to get you know go up the chain of command and get uh, permission from but that 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 permission was granted in seconds when we were talking about the black lives matter right. protests right and and here it took three hours. So I mean, I know that they're looking, they're digging more into that. Uh, now, are you mostly looking, focusing on the Proud Boys here, or are you also looking at Oath Keepers? I've looked over at the Oath Keepers. I mean, they seem more disorganized and less. Their ties to Stone don't go back quite as deep and far as the Proud Boys do. I think it's just a lot of the Proud Boys leaders have been located in Florida, where Stone has been most of this time. So it's easier to to pull at the threads of the connections between the two. Whereas I think I, I'm just not seeing as much history, but it could just be not public. Um, and yet, you know, we do stand with a lot of the people with Stone that morning were Oath Keepers. And it's just, you know, so I, I am looking at it. I mean, Roberto Minuta, you know, he says he didn't know him at all. Uh, he says, you know, I, I think Joshua James is the other one who was his chauffeur that day. I don't know if Stone's commented on him specifically, but he basically says he didn't know the names of any Oath Keepers, that they were just sent by somebody to guard. Right, yeah. Like you said, the Oath Keepers office yeah, uh, I don't know was, sent them, but <laughs> had, a, had a rotation list right. and, yeah, and just sent uh, the, the next people up for the job. Right, yeah. No, that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> now... <laughs> 
Um, as far as who else you're looking into here, because you sent me this cool flow chart of the Roger Stone universe, as far as white supremacists and militia groups go. Yeah. Uh, uh, and can you tell us, uh, I know you're looking into Engels and Zyalkowski, neither of them have been charged with anything, correct? Yeah, neither have been charged ever with a crime. And and I want to be clear on that. I mean, mm-hmm. neither have been charged with any misconduct. And uh, there's no photographic evidence that places either person at the, uh, at the Capitol riot. So, you know, it's the connection is more the one that has emerged through partially through CNN's reporting about the, you know, them having access to Stone's phone and their names coming up at a hearing. Um, and Zielkowski saying in response that Engels was with Stone on January 6th and that he was not. Um, but there is, you know, another criminal case going on in Florida involving a, a politician. And there are some tenuous links between that case, uh, which involved some charges of harassment of a political opponent, um, and, and that harassment sort of took the form of some um, false allegations against a political opponent that, that were transmitted and, and used to harass this person and, and hopefully you know, take them out of a political race. And some things parallel to those smears were promoted by a bot network run by Roger Stone. And... Uh, Jacob Angles, who runs a Florida blog, was very an enthusiastic supporter of the politician charged and also used the blog to share stories uh, that were related to the smear campaign. And those shares happened just days before the government unsealed an indictment against the politician for, for this harassment campaign. And it's interesting, you know, it seems to me like there are some connections there that are worth being explored. Yeah, I wonder how many target letters Roger Stone has received. Uh, I, I keep I keep thinking that day that he put out a, a plea on Parler to help people give him money to pay his rent and stuff. I feel like he got a target letter that day. I don't know. Maybe I'm I think I, I mean, he almost said as much. I mean, yeah. he acknowledged, you know, he, he said he's back under the crosshairs and he related it to the Mueller probe. And we know that the Mueller probe resulted in criminal convictions by a jury mm-hmm. you know and of all the Mueller probe cases that one was the most probably directly related to election interference and went in front of a jury and a jury convicted him on all charges so mm-hmm. you know i mean i think he sees a real threat what that threat is and where it's coming from is an interesting guessing game to play yeah, but it's important to note that in his pardon for all things related to Mueller, the insurrection or organizing the insurrection, funding it, anything like that is, was not ever, couldn't ever, fought feasibly, unless you have a time machine, be part of the Mueller investigation. So yeah. uh, unless there was a pocket pardon on January 19th, 20th, anytime after January 6th, uh, which I doubt because there's a public pardon, uh, he he's on the hook for anything, you know, if they are able to, ch- to charge crimes in this particular case. And I think you're right about somebody like Engels or Zielkowski uh, being great insulation because they were not, you know, as being the leader or perhaps the person who called Nordine the new leader on the ground in that boots in the ground uh, encrypted channel that was created on January 5th. You know, great insulators because they were not at the riot. There's no photo evidence of them being at the insurrection and they aren't roger stone himself so that's yeah i mean i I see that that's a a a really feasible way to go as well i think it's just very interesting to me that they're basically radio silent i have tried to find any you know jacob angles has made a couple posts since the insurrection all have been like completely unrelated to the news basically you know some some mega type you know posts but he's been very quiet and the <laughs> other tyler he's virtually off the grid i other than the cnn interview i can't find a single public post or statement by this person and these are you know former like political operatives i mean why have they gone radio silent i'm not sure i would say probably because they're being questioned uh <laughs> and advised not to but you know that's all pure speculation it's pure speculation but you know it's it's it'd be interesting to get a statement from them and uh if they weren't there then they weren't there if they weren't with stone then they weren't with stone but um if they were who was with him that day yeah <laughs> that's a secondary question right i mean have we gotten any explanation about that he wasn't sitting in the hotel room by himself so you know 
Yeah, well, we'll see. And uh, I'd like to have you back because, you, you know, you mentioned that uh, Florida story, the politician. I know you're digging into that. We can't go too far into that because that's not a publicly reported thing yet, but you're going to be coming out with it uh, in the coming months here. And I look forward to having you back to discuss that. And of course, uh, you know, we'll talk when we see what sort of uh, more information comes out from the press and, and, and other journalists regarding what's going on with Roger Stone and the insurrection. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to come back. Hopefully we'll have some some new things to talk about in the, in the near future. Um, but yeah, I'm working hard on this and we're going to Try our best to untangle it a bit. Florida seems like it's become more swampy than usual. So <laughs> I know, right? Well, thanks very much. Tell everyone where they can follow you on Twitter to keep an eye out for this story. Yeah, uh, at Robert J. Denault, D-E-N-A-U-L-T, is my Twitter. And I will post all this content right up there. Awesome. I appreciate it so much, Robert. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back for the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. Life is guaranteed to have ups and downs, no doubt. And when you face stressful or unexpected challenges, it's important to remember you don't have to face them alone. So if you're dealing with anything keeping you from living your happiest life, I highly recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp provides professional counseling to help you navigate life's challenges. It's not self-help and it's not a crisis line. It's licensed professional therapy done securely online. They assess your needs and they match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in under 24 hours. You know I have my own challenges with anxiety and post-traumatic stress. And I know how important it is to seek help rather than to try to do it on a, all, all by yourself. And I love how convenient BetterHelp services are. Uh, it's available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime from anywhere and send a message to your counselor. You get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you need to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aids available. So visit their website and read some testimonials like this BetterHelp user, SH, who said, Dr. Norris has been helpful giving me insight and helpful advice on my issues. He allows you to speak openly while assessing the issues and cultivating thoughtful solutions. I'm looking forward to seeing the positive progress that comes from this. So visit betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. That's BetterHelp with H-E-L-P. And you can join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners, you can get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news. It's all the way. I love Monday good news. It's it just always lifts my spirits so much. So absolutely, it is a nice way to start my week. It truly is. Yes, and if you want to uh, send in your good news, confessions, corrections, disputes to be settled in Amy's court, misheard song lyrics, you want us to guess guess your rescue dog's breeds in our what the mutt game, whatever. I mean, we have so many things now. Anything, just anything you want to send, do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. We would love to hear from you. First up here from Pokney. No pronouns given. Thanks for making news informative and funny. Love the show. Here's my good news. I live in rural Oklahoma, and I'm happily married to a man who's part Choctaw. When our first grandbaby was born, we chose the Choctaw word for grandmother for me, Pokney. We have a grandson and a granddaughter now who are both part Choctaw and part Cherokee. Their mother, my stepdaughter, who I love dearly, texted me the information that the Cherokee Nation was opening up to anyone who lives within their territory to come uh, to be vaccinated. Great. I have received my first shot. Wonderful. Uh, here, here is the link, just in case you're in the area. We'll put that in the show notes. It's a kind of a long link there. And uh, for my pod pet tax, I'm sharing Elsa, the kids with their lovely mom, and my grandpuppy Ripley. Stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you for making me smile. <gasps> so good. sweet. Aww. Oh, what a beautiful family. I love that the snow person has a mask on. Okay, and... And the unicorn hat on the child here. I need oh my that goodness. in my size. <laughs> I need that's that. fantastic. Oh, oh, puppy. That's a German Shepherd puppy. Oh, oh, yeah. That one we're sure of. My goodness. Mm, love it. My goodness. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad everyone's getting vaccinated, especially the communities that have been underserved. Okay, this one, next one. This one's from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. I got my first dose of the Pfizer vaccine today. Woohoo! I'm in Georgia where the vaccine rollout has been mm, chaotic, to put it incredibly kindly. I got it done at the mass vaccination site that was set up in the old empty Sears at Gwinnett Place Mall. 
best known to out-of-staters as the mall that Stranger Things was filmed, their third season. I totally know that mall. It's super funny to me to see what all uses the old mall keeps getting put to. (laughs) Yes. Hope you're all taking care and staying safe. And a little... (laughs) Little little asterisk says, fuck Brian Kemp. What an awful dude. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, footnote about that the rollout has been uh, chaotic, to put it kindly. Footnote one. Footnote, fuck Brian Kemp. Indeed. What an awful dude. <laughs> I did not know that Stranger Things was filmed in Georgia. Georgia Film Commission has just been kicking so much ass. I'm so glad for the jobs that that's creating down in Georgia. Totally. Um, it's just absolutely one. Like ever since I think Walking Dead, it's just blown up, right? Atlanta it gives some really nice, I think, incentives for people to film there. Yeah, absolutely. It's so good for jobs there, too, in Georgia. Yay, Blue Georgia. Uh, okay, next up, Jordan, pronouns he and him. AG, I need you to know that each time you take a commercial break in the middle of your interviews, I lose my shit laughing. I have a couple more questions for you, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stick around? All I can think about is your guest answering back with a resounding, absolutely, I will not. <laughs> Has anyone <laughs> ever not wanted to stick around for a break? Thanks for everything you do. The Daily Beans and she Wrote helped a lot of us through some wild times, and we appreciate you. Yeah, no one's ever said... I will not. And and I read the ad later and, and stick it in. So like they don't actually have to sit there and listen to me tell you about Helix mattresses. So it's mattress. It's magic. I almost said it's mattress. It's mattress magic. <laughs> it's magic spoon. All right. Yes. This next one is from Anonymous. Pronoun she and her. This is Pickles. She was a rescued stray. <laughs> <laughs> is the most laid back fur baby we've ever seen. As long as she's on someone or someone's hand is on her, she's golden. She gets attention by stretching a paw towards you and spreading all of her itty beans out. Mm-hmm. Cute. Aww. It's the cutest dang thing. Hey, mom, mama, mommy, ma, I needs my nails did. <laughs> oh, my oh, goodness. Look. <gasps> There's a couple of blue. Oh, are those those little caps that you put on? The, oh, see, Dana, for uh, for those who aren't cat people, they make little like almost like Lee press on nails. They're like little rubber caps you can put on your cat's claws so they don't destroy your furniture. And, and so either the cat's nails are painted or she's got a couple of those and they're blue and they're gorgeous. Got oh, it. So cute. That's really cute. Because do not ever declaw your cat. It's inhumane. Indeed. Uh, next next up from Anonymous, pronoun she and her. Hello, Leguminati. First, thank you so much for being the most important part of my balanced breakfast. You're welcome. Although I do like bacon. Uh, the winter has been long and dark for both personal and COVID reasons. I live and work in the same room alone with very little sunlight. Not exactly my happy place, but I'm pretty sure I got hit with about a depression with very few social or physical outlets. But once I got my relief check, I decided I would spend a little bit of it on something new and interesting. I went and booked myself an introductory flight lesson. I don't know if I really want to follow through on getting a private pilot's license, but at the very least, it's a change in scenery. Yeah. And perspective. Yeah. (laughs) What could be a more uplifting experience than leaving the earth Mm -hmm. for pet tax? I've attached my two boobs. The gray one is stoic, taciturn fella uh, with a heart of gold. And the little black one is his adopted daughter. She's an agent of chaos. (laughs) So sweet. And like all good boobs, one of them is slightly larger than the other. Yes. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Look how cute. The, the, the second picture, that looks like a, a cat rabbit. I know. Look at those ears. They're so big. So sweet. Aw, cuddles. Cute faces. Oh, thank you so much for that. All right. This next one's from Nancy. Pronouns she and her. My good news is that my husband and I made it to our vaccination appointments and got our first Woo-hoo. shots. Making Yay. it there was a question because even though we'd scheduled them for the Thursday after the predicted weekend snowstorm, generally plenty of time to be able to get out of the storm, as of when Wednesday afternoon, we were still snowed in. But my wonderful husband, who can fix anything, managed to get the recalcitrant truck started. Awesome. With which he was able to pack down the snow and our rather long driveway so that we could drive the car out. Yes, we could also have taken the truck, but the car is more comfortable and more efficient. (laughs) That's really funny. (laughs) Attaching a picture of a couple of elk in the snow. We could see that the snow was belly deep on a full-grown elk in some (gasps) places. Wow. I wonder where they live. Maybe Colorado? That's beautiful. It is gorgeous. Must be Colorado. There's a lot of snowstorms out there. I would think so. Yeah. Wyoming, maybe? Anyway. Okay. Okay. The next dog, I can't even. All right. Stop it. Stop scrolling. Sorry. Sorry. Next up from Sarah, pronoun she and her. I'm going to go super space beans on you and bet that this is the weirdest good news you get all week. I'm having brain surgery. 
After 18 months of testing and the opinions of six physicians, I was finally diagnosed with Cushing's disease, a condition only diagnosed one in a million times. Cushing's disease is caused by a tumor in the pituitary gland that releases cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Because it can mimic so many other conditions, Cushing's disease is notoriously difficult to diagnose, hence my diagnosis taking so long. I, like many patients with Cushing's, have had lots of vague, new-onset medical issues. These have included 60-pound weight gain without a change in diet or exercise, debilitating fatigue, depression, anxiety, cognitive difficulties, insomnia, high blood pressure, prediabetes, and muscle weakness. Basically, like a lot of Cushing's patients, I have not felt well for several years. I am excited to have been referred to a neurosurgeon so I can start on the road to recovery. My neurosurgeon will remove my tumor through my nose. That's the safest and most effective technique for treating this disease. Within six months of my surgery, most of the symptoms should be resolved. For my pet tax, I've attached my two precious rescue dog, Muddy Mutts, Rosie, the brown one, and Winston, black and white. Please give your best guesses as to what breeds they are. Oh, my God, Sarah. I'm so happy for you. Uh, And look at this baby uh that looks like chihuahua Chihuahua. um healer no too flat a face maybe a chihuahua japanese chin now you're just making things up pug maybe a but it's a it's a black and white fluffy dog it's like a maybe a chinese crested or a a collie of some sort yeah maybe or maybe one of those uh, cattle dogs. Could be. A cattle dog with a chihuahua. Definitely dachshund mixed with oh, baby chihuahua. <gasps> oh, that looks like a doxy chihuahua. Or, or, or some people say a, a chihuahua. A chihuahua. A chihuahua. A chihuahua. <laughs> Three answers. Here we go. Both are Both part are chihuahua. Part. Got that. Woo-hoo. We don't know for sure, but we think Rosie is part doxy. Mm-hmm. Making her a chihuahua. Making her a chihuahua. There you go. Winston's half a pillion. Papillon. <laughs> Papillon. Ah. Making him a chion. That's what I couldn't get. I was like, is it a chin? Is it a Chinese crested? It's a papillon. Okay. Well, there you go. I think I know. I love that we got Rosie. That makes me happy. Yes. We got one for one. High five. I mean, one for two. <laughs> Jesus. Matt's not my strong suit. I mean, it is, but which is terrible. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Thank thank you. Thank you. Thank you um, for that. And um, I'm Sarah, I am so, so, so grateful. I know you've probably gone through hell um, since yeah, not yeah. being able to know what's wrong. But now that they have it, um, I'm wishing you all the best for successful surgery. And please let us know, yes. especially as the symptoms start to wane, how you're doing and feeling and all that. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, this next one's from Wendy, no pronouns given. I'm a school nurse in Maryland. Since December 30th, we've been giving the COVID-19 vaccine every Wednesday. We started with first responders, moved to local practitioners, and then on to teachers. Because of our efforts, by next week, we'll have vaccinated every teacher in our school system who wants the vaccine. But that's not why I'm writing. I wanted to tell you the story of someone I vaccinated this past week. When we realized we had pulled extra vaccine, we opened our clinic up to people in our community who qualified. As I prepared to give an injection to one woman, we were discussing side effects, or as I call them, effects of the vaccine. (laughs) I always end my spiel with, quote, it's better than getting COVID. She answered me with tears in her eyes and told told me her mother died of COVID. I was nearly speechless, and we both had tears, and I gave her her shot. It was a special, meaningful, and awesome moment. We aren't finished with this fight. Not long. Sorry. I don't know why this one got me. <clears throat> Not by a long shot, but the school nurses of my county are doing our best to get us to the finish line sooner rather than later. For pod pet tax, <clears throat> I've included one of my three dogs. His name is Dutch, and we call him Pooper. He's 13 years old, lab Amstef mix, and we're grateful for every day we have with him. And look at the yeah. eyes and the snout. Mm. That is quite the snout. Oh, the eyebrows are everything. <sighs> Wow, Wendy, thank you so much for that, and I'm I just I'm glad you're on the front line. Thank you for keeping us safe and staying safe yourself. And all of the stories of people getting vaccinated brings me so so much joy. And I'm so sorry to anyone who's hearing this who has been affected by a loss of a loved one during this pandemic. Um, my my heart is with you, especially as you see vaccines start to roll out. I'm sure there's a lot of emotions that come with that. Thank you, Wendy, for the work that you're doing. Seriously. Um, getting all the teachers vaccinated who want to be vaccinated. <clears throat> it's um just incredible work, incredible frontline work. Um, so thank you. Um, anything else before we call it a day? No, Dana? I don't think I have anything. Just, uh, yeah, 
That's, that's that's it. I'm I'm happy it's Monday. It's nice to get back rolling with the beans, and and uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the week with you all. Yes, same same here. And everybody, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of your mental health, and take care of the planet. I've been Ag, and I've been DG, and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, Hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye now. Oh my God, A-G-I. So I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog died dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans with appliques on it. You're like, what? Keeps the rain. Like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from they might be giants, for example. Oh, yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me, lives beneath the ocean. That's where I will be beneath the waves, the waves. And that's where I will be. I'm going to see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah. There you go. No. Although, were they talk? Was he whale watching? Is it really that obscure? <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their lyrics. I, I've asked multiple times. Oh my god! Uh, the best I, can I, lo- I love them. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. The best I can get out of them is the explanation of uh, "Birdhouse in Your Soul," which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. So. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say, I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's sung from the point of view. Uh, sung from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones.